I want to remind you today that one billion begins with one. And that's where you and I come in today. One billion begins with one. And the Lord put this thought on my heart, and I put it down as a title for today's message, Make My Life a Miracle. Make my life a miracle. I want you to say it out loud. Make my life a miracle. And really mean it, that God's going to do something in each of our lives, in this generation, that really will be something that only he can do. That's what the miracle is. When we're taken beyond the limitations of our natural ability, and we are brought by the presence and power of God into a life that is not attainable with any amount of human effort. It only comes by the power of Christ working through us, and you and I walking in cooperation with him, our life really does become a miracle. Think about the apostle Peter for a moment, uh, cowering in front of a fire when a little servant girl asks him if, if, if he's one of those that uh, was known to associate with Jesus. And then shortly after that, after cowering just in front of a little girl, he's standing now in front of thousands of people boldly saying, this same Savior you have taken and crucified with wicked hands. God had taken him beyond his limitations, his natural zeal, his natural strength. And this is the cry of my heart for this generation. So, Father, I, I want to thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the touch of heaven that's so evident in this sanctuary today. Thank you for the songs that we sang that do talk about your goodness, the largeness of your heart, the incredible power that is available to those of us who know you as Savior. Jesus Christ, we are asking you to be glorified in this generation. God, we're asking you to take us, Lord, and bring us out of the shadows and bring us into the marketplace again, God, as you did with the early church. Give us again an anointing, a baptism of the Holy Spirit that will take us out of the limitations of our natural fears and our natural abilities and bring us into this incredible life that can be ours in God. Oh, Jesus Christ, even at my age, Lord, I surrender my life to you, and I ask God for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I ask for a deeper anointing than I've ever known in my lifetime. I'm asking for your people, for your house, God, that you would raise us up and do something through all of us that could only be attributed to you, that at the end of our days, we'd look at one another and say, only God could have done this. Only God, only God could have done with my life what he did. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you're about to do. And we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen and amen. First Timothy chapter 1, it'll be on the screen above you, beginning at verse 12, the words of the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, I thank and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. So this, this is where Paul begins this in his discussion with Timothy. Paul's acknowledgement that even though he had education, he had ability, he had a natural drive, he was obviously a very driven man before he came to Christ. He recognized that what he had become in Christ, he had been enabled by God to become, been taken out of the, the, the confines of the shell of his own life as it is and brought into this incredible life in God. He has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent or violent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Paul said, this is what I was. I cursed God. 
I stood against God. I stood against the people of God. I persecuted the people of God, and I did it with violence. But God was merciful because of my ignorance and my unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. God's favor came upon me, Paul said, an abundant favor. He gave me abilities to do things that I could never hope to do in myself or in my own strength. And this is a faithful saying, verse 15, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul is saying, God was patient with me. God was merciful to me. Even though I'm sure Paul had questions, I'm sure out of the gate he might have wondered what he was doing, what kind of life he was going to, to be living. There might have been a, a reticence in him too as well, but he says, God's willingness to work with me, even in my struggling condition, is a pattern to everyone who's going to believe on him for everlasting life. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not unique. It's not just me. This, this new life in Christ is available to all people, not just the educated, not just the influential, not just those who have achieved in the natural certain statuses in life, but it's to all people. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah talking of these days said it's the lame that take the prey. It's, it's the people who know that they need a Savior. It's the people who know they can't go forward without God. They, they, suddenly, they just start crawling through the crowd. They start shouting out on the side of the road. They start touching the hem of his garment. They start pressing through the crowd saying, if you want to, you can make me clean, only to find out that it's the heart of Jesus Christ, not only to cleanse, but to empower and to raise us up to be a testimony that cannot be denied. You see, Paul's life was an undeniable testimony of the power of God. It had to either be accepted or rejected, but it could never be ignored. That's what I want to live. That's not the kind of life I want. I want a life that Christ in me will have to be accepted or rejected, but can't be ignored. You should never settle for that. You should never settle for going to work and, and somehow the people in your office are able to ignore the fact that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. There should be something inside of you and inside of me. There should be this daily change. There should be this, this bounce in our step, this light in our eye, this, this hope in our voices that, that causes people to, as Paul's case, Many, when they heard his story of his conversion, they knelt before God and surrendered themselves. Others were enraged that he would have the audacity to declare that he had actually seen God, that he actually had a living relationship with God, and it, it was all mercy and grace, and it wasn't achieved through human effort and diplomas and degrees and such like. And even rulers trembled when Paul spoke, because in their hearts they knew it was the truth. They knew standing before them was an honest, godly man, fully surrendered and gripped by the presence and power of God. And when you and I are gripped by the power and presence of God, there should be a trembling in even the scoffers that stand before us. There should be an inner knowledge that somehow the truth of God is walking with this man or this woman. The key is in Galatians 2.20 where Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ 
who lives in me. It's no longer me. I've given up myself. I've given up trying to be good in my own strength. I've given up my plans. I've given up my ambitions. As a matter of fact, Paul could say, I've given up in all my natural strength. And I've, I've yielded it all. I surrendered it all, and I made an exchange with God. I give you what I have, as little as it is, and you promise to give me new life. And you promise to give me a new future. You promise to bring me into what you call the ministry, which is my life glorifying you on the earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It doesn't say will be, ought to be, might be, could be one day. He is a new creation. The old things have passed away. They've lost their power. They've lost their authority. They can't govern. They can't guide. And all things have become new. Isn't that an amazing verse of Scripture? God Almighty, if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old things in my life have lost their power. The old things can't guide. The old things can't come back and dominate. The old things have died. They passed away. That's what baptism is all about. That's why you should be water baptized. I am dying to who I used to be. I'm, I'm putting it away. I'm considering it buried with Christ. And when I come out of that water, I'm going to embrace this new life that God has for me. I'm going to walk with him in the strength he gives me. I'm going to speak what he gives me to speak. And I'm going to touch the people that he calls me to touch. Because everything in my life has become new. Peter the Apostle says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verses 9 and 10, he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who have not attained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. There is a calling, ma'am and sir, on your life. You are appointed by God to do something in this generation that you cannot do in your own strength, but he is appointed to do it through you when you come to the realization of your calling. When you come to the realization that God is willing to take you and I in our weakness, take us in our confusion, take us in our with our inglorious past, no matter how inglorious it might be, like the Apostle Paul's was. But we recognize that we are new creations now in Christ. We don't have thoughts about God residing in these earthly bodies. We don't have just feelings about God. We have the actual third person of the living God who has taken up residence inside these earthly bodies. We have to learn to cooperate with him now. We yield the reins to our life as it is. We yield the rights and say, God, it's no longer me who lives. It's you now who lives inside of me. Guide my thoughts. Guide my heart. Give me the courage to speak what you're speaking. This is the problem. We have to get through our own fears and our own struggles. How many times has God moved upon you to speak to somebody something and you, you cowered back like Peter at the bonfire? And you didn't want to be rejected or be perceived to be a fool or have somebody tell you to get lost. But the Holy Spirit was moving because, you see, he knows what the persons around you are thinking in this city. 
He knows the questions that they're asking at night. He knows the tears that they're crying when they go to bed every night or the sighs that are coming from their lips when they get up in the morning. And, and here we are as his ambassadors in the city or wherever it is that we are living. And God knows and God lives within us and he can take our lives out of the natural and bring us into the supernatural. If we will simply learn to cooperate with him, just take the chance and speak the thoughts that God is putting on your heart to speak to somebody around you. This generation needs to see and hear from people whose lives have been miraculously changed by the power of God. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than anything you can ask or think? He can do more in your life. He can take our lives out of the mediocrity of our own thinking and our own strength and ability and bring us into the place where his power is now working through us. And glory is being brought to his name through his church, not just in the first century, but it says to all generations forever and ever. All generations. Jesus Christ didn't just kickstart his church in the first century and then say, okay, you take it from here, guys. I, I, I pushed you out. I got you going. Now, you, it's up to you to get the message out. No, nothing has changed. The power of God is still available to any one of us who ask him for his power. As a matter of fact, he can do more than we ask or even think. Ephesians 4, 7 and 8 says, To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You were already given the power by God to do what you're called to do. Do you know that? We're not called just to be pylons in somebody else's game. Do you understand? We all have a viable part. We all have an important part to play in the church of Jesus Christ, bringing glory to his name wherever it is that we are in our lifetime. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Do you know? that you already have abilities that you might not be aware of. We're so reluctant to step away from the fire. We're so reluctant to step out into the crowd. We're so reluctant to, I, I, I get it because I've been there. I, I understand when God is speaking and we draw back and we say, I don't want to look like an idiot. What if, I, what if I say to this person the words that are on my heart and they just look at me like I'm from outer space? And we, we, we're, afraid, we're so afraid to be rejected that we, we draw back from, from maybe putting a hand on somebody's shoulder and praying for their healing or talking to somebody at a, at a corner store at, uh, behind the cash register that looks like uh, they've had a hard day or a hard week or maybe a hard life. And the Holy Spirit is, is, is giving us a word and we draw back. But I, I want to say today that the, the hour of drawing back is over. It's got to be over now. The, the church has to be the church. We, we've got to get up and we've got to get out and we've got to trust God 
to make us again into a supernatural people. And, and this is the cry of my heart for you. When we pray for you every day, God, make us a miracle in this generation. Every life. I prayed that this week. Every life that I'm going to speak to at Times Square Church on Sunday, take every life and make that life a miracle. Take us out of the borders of our perception of ourselves. Take us out of the, the confines of what people spoke over our lives. Take us out of the, the places that we've, we've, we've come to believe, the, the, the boundaries that we have to the left, to the right, to the top, to the bottom. God, break us out of these things because the living Christ is inside of each of our lives. You have a plan for each one of us that is so much bigger than anything that we can even think that our lives are going to amount to. The potential in this room is astronomical. It's amazing if we fully realize this and begin to move in cooperation with the Spirit of God. You have no idea. There's not a building in New York City that could hold the people that would come to Christ. Not a building. We could buy Madison Square Garden. We'd be short of space within two weeks. He took our captivity captive and gave gifts to us. And gave, that's what the cross was all about. Every, everything that bound you because of sin and the penalty and power of sin or because of your past or whatever it is or your present, he took that all captive and gave gifts to you and to I. Now, a gift to be received, firstly, has to be desired. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, part of the verse, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. They have to be desired. There's the word of wisdom. There's a word of knowledge. There's, there's the gift of faith. There's, there's administrations. There's the gift of healing. There's the gift of tongues. There's, there's so many gifts in the Bible. I think that we live so far beneath our inheritance. Folks, listen to me. We're not called to be an argument about the reality of Christ. We're called to be a demonstration of the fact that he's alive from the grave and he's indwelling a people on the earth. I think it's time to put away the arguments. It's time to start living as a living testimony of who Christ is. An undeniable testimony. As I said about the Apostle Paul, you either knelt, you raged, or you trembled, but you couldn't ignore him. And this has got to be our prayer in this generation, God. We've been ignored too long. We've been warming ourselves by the fire and trying to preserve ourselves for too long. It's time now for us to step out in the power of God. I thank God that this church is going to be fasting this month for four days for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, it's time for the Holy Spirit to fill his church again. It's time for us to rise up in the power of God. It's time for us to go into the marketplace one more time and begin to declare the wondrous works of God, the things he's able to do in surrendered vessels. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Glory to God, glory to God. I want everything that God has for my life. I want to go everywhere he wants me to go. I want to speak everything he wants me to speak. And I want to say it in the power of God. I am not content to be ignored in this generation. The voice of Christ in his church is not meant to be ignored. We are the light of the world. We are a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden, must not be hidden, ought not to be hidden in this generation. Not only are we to desire these giftings of God, but they need to be unwrapped as well. It's one thing to see a gift that's there for you, but you've got to move towards it and unwrap it. That's why in 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. 
a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We've got to study the word of God so we can understand who we are in Christ. We can understand why the giftings of God are given to us. As I'm doing today, unlocking the word of God, and it suddenly brings our, our whole life into view from God's perspective. And we begin to understand who we are and what we're called to do. And then lastly, a gift to be received has to be embraced, not just studied. Remember the lawyer that came to Jesus, he said, and who is my neighbor? What a stupid question for a lawyer. If, you're, if your kid came home from school and said, hey, we're studying about who our neighbor, we'd go to the teacher and say, what kind of a school is this? I mean, we, we ought to know who our neighbors are, but the inference was, well, you see, I'm still studying this, and, and when, I, when I figure it out, you can count me in, I'm going to be in, but I'm going to be studying who my neighbor is, and once I figure it all out, I'm going to get in, and no, it's, it's, it's not enough just to study. We have to embrace the calling of God. We have to embrace the giftings of God. As Paul said, it's no longer I who live, it's now Christ who lives inside of me. And when you do, your life becomes a miracle. Now, I'm not preaching to you some pie-in-the-sky thing that's unattainable. I have lived this. I've been taken out of weakness and into the strength of God. No, as, as Paul would say, I'm not, I'm not, I've not achieved the fullness of what God has for my life. I get that. But I am leaving behind that which needs to be left behind, and I am pressing forward to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Praise be to God. Now, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 23, Jesus intimates in this verse, he intimates that if miracles which could only be attributed to the power of God had been present in or part of the fabric of the society in Sodom, it would have been spared. Remember, he said, oh, you Capernaum, if the miracles done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. In other words, no matter how decadent a society gets, it can still be reached when the power of God is manifested in it. It can still be reached. New York City can still be reached, folks. Our country can still be reached. Countries throughout the world can still be reached. A billion people can still be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. When the power of God is visible in it, you have a special calling as a church body because the world is looking in and more and more and more people as the days get darker are going to look in. And what do we want them to see? I'll tell you what we want them to see, a whole assembly of people whose lives have become a miracle. A whole assembly of people who can honestly say, it's no longer I who lives, it's Christ now who lives in me. I am moving in unison with God. I am discovering the purpose for my life. I'm moving forward with the glory and the strength of God upon my life. And by God's grace, my life is going to make a difference. There was a man living in Sodom. His name was Lot, him and his wife and his, his family. But he was living so far beneath his inheritance. He was so mixed in with the city that his life and voice made no difference. I'm not content with that. And I hope you're not content with it either. I don't want to be a kind of a person whose life and voice makes no difference. Wherever I travel, whatever room I walk into, whatever situation I find myself in, I want to make a difference in that situation for the kingdom of God. I don't want to be a voice that can be discounted. 
Lot was so mixed in, he was so compromised that when he finally went to people and tried to get them out of the city, they thought he was joking because I think they could have said to him, well, if, if the city's going to be destroyed, why have you been so wrapped up in it? Why is it so dear to you? Why, why are you found every day at the gates of commerce and it seems like your whole value system is intertwined with this city? And when finally judgment came to the city, he couldn't make any difference because he was living beneath his inheritance. But today, in my heart and in yours, we are saying, not so with me. Not so with me. I'm not going to live beneath my inheritance. Jesus Christ, make my life a miracle. Make my life a miracle. It starts with a heart cry. It starts with somebody sitting on the edge of their seat and saying, God, if this is true, I want this. I, I want to go where you're taking me. I want to be what you're calling me to be. I want to speak what you're giving me. God, I don't want to draw back out of fear or rejection. I don't want to live to try to preserve myself. When our children are being confused at every conceivable level, our families are being destroyed, our cities are drug addicted, our society is collapsing all around us. I don't want to be silent anymore. I don't want to be discounted. I, I want to be a person that is so gripped by Christ that my life becomes a miracle, that I can honestly say as Paul, the things I used to be, I'm not anymore. I was these things, but God in his mercy and God in his long suffering, God in his great grace, God in his great love has been changing my life from image to image and glory to glory by the spirit of God. No, I'm not yet everything that I'm called to be, but I know what to leave behind, and I know what I'm pressing forward towards. And that was the cry in the heart of a man that was going to write most of our New Testament that we have. His life was going to affect hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people for 2,000 years and is affecting even us this day because we are reading the words of a man who could say this one thing, it's no longer I who live, it is Christ who lives now within me. By the grace of Almighty God, may that be our testimony in this last hour of time. May it be your testimony, may it be mine. Oh God, oh God, oh God, make Times Square Church a miracle. Not just the church at large, but every person in it, every part of the body. God, take us beyond our borders. Take us beyond our fears. Take us beyond our lack of education. Take us beyond what we think our lives are going to be and bring us into the fullness of what is ours in Christ Jesus. Glorify your name. That was the prayer of Jesus when he was baptized. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the greatest time to be alive. This is the greatest generation, in my opinion, to be alive. If I could have been born in any other one, I would reject it and choose this one. Because Christ is coming. And, and the church of Jesus Christ is going to be a voice in this last generation. By the grace of God, we're going to come into our inheritance. And our lives are going to be a miracle. You know, years ago, I... 
I heard words similar to this, and I sat on the edge of my seat. Pastor Teresa was there with me. She remembers. I was afraid to be in a room that was crowded with people. I had no ability to speak. I didn't really like people, to be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't. I was the worst candidate for ministry you could ever. I was angry. Life had been hard. People had been a source of pain. I was told certain things about my life that I would never amount to or become. I believed it. And then suddenly one day I'm sitting and I'm, I'm hearing these words being opened in the word of God. And I sat on the edge of my seat. I remember one time in the church, I said, God, could this be true? Could you really take my life and do something with it that's so far beyond what I thought I could be? Could you glorify your name through me, God? Could you change me from the inside out? Am I really a new creation in Christ Jesus? Do you really live inside of my life? Do you really ha- are you really thinking thoughts about me that I've not even thought yet about my future? Are you able to take me there? Can you break me out of the, the box that life and society and people have built around me and I've built around my own heart and my own life? You know, I did all I knew to do. I just... As I said, a gift gift can only be received when you move towards it. You embrace it. You unwrap it. I remember getting out of my seat and just, as some of you are going to do today, and and I just went forward and I said, well, here I am. I I felt like Isaiah in chapter 6, undone, unworthy, finished, corrupted, unusable. Realistically, if I was God, I would never have chosen me. But remember Paul said, because of his long-suffering, and his mercy and his grace. He took me, a, a blasphemer, a violent man, Paul said. I, I, I hurt people. And he took me and made me into a pattern of what he's able to do for people who are going to come after me from generation to generation. He made me a pattern. So, so don't sit here and say, well, because of the things I've done, God can't use me. It's not true. Or because of who I am, God can't use me. That's not true either. None of it is true. There's no limitation of what God will do in a surrendered heart. And I remember just getting up and going forward and just time and again saying, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'll go. And the rest is history. Still traveling over good parts of the world, still talking to people about Jesus Christ, still seeing Hands raised as we're seeing here every week in Times Square Church for people coming into the kingdom of God. So I'm not sharing something that I've not experienced. The mercy of God. You know, when I was in college, I'll finish with this story. When I was in college, I was, I decided I wanted to be a, a, it's called a dorm proctor. We call them res fellows back in Canada. A dorm proctor is just somebody that greets people that show up to college. You get a cut on your tuition. And your room and board for it. Yeah, so how hard is that? You know, you just, you greet people on your floor and you show them where the room is and uh, the, uh, you show them where the cafeteria is and how to get to class and just, just general information. I mean, how hard is that? I failed it. I failed the course. <laughs> and they, they called me in and they said, you know what he said to me? He said, you're not leadership material. <laughs> what, if I, what if I believed that for the rest of my life? Well, maybe I'm not, but God has taken me where I've gone. 
He's given me what I possess. He's, he's, he's given me abilities that are not my own. Obviously, whatever I was then, he probably accurately described it. But here I am. And here we are. So I want to challenge you. Make my life a miracle. You've got to know as Paul, Paul in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he said, brethren, I, I do not count myself to have apprehended. You know, in other words, there's, there's, I, I haven't hit the pinnacle yet. I haven't hit the fullness of what God's asked my life to be. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, you've got to know what to leave behind you. You've got to know when to get up and walk away. And reaching towards those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press forward. And that's what this altar call is going to be about this morning. It's, it's for the man, the woman, the young person, the old person that just says, as I said for Pastor Tim this morning, I'm in. I'm in for the billion. As impossible as it might seem in the natural, it's not impossible to God. I'm in for the billion. And how many here today could say, I'm in for a, miracle, a life that becomes a miracle? I'm in. I'm just in. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know the promise is there in the Word of God that it is going to happen. I will be changed from image to image and glory to glory by the Spirit of God within me. And I will become the person that God has called me to be. And the giftings He's already given me will start to come to the fore, and I will start to embrace them and I'm going to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. And God, by His mercy, is going to give me a life that cannot be ignored. It has to be acknowledged one way or the other. Now, don't, don't be stunned when people get enraged. Don't be stunned when they kneel and say, what you have is what I want. And don't be stunned when leaders tremble. Father, I thank you, God, for the presence of your Holy Spirit, God, in this church, and the understanding that we as a church body have been appointed for a specific time and a specific purpose. Lord Jesus Christ, we're asking you today to do something in each life in this sanctuary and those who will be here in the future that's so powerful that nobody can deny it, nobody can ignore it. We're asking you, Lord, as the world starts to look into Times Square Church and look to Pastor Tim's voice for direction, God Almighty, that it won't be just a message. It will be the messengers, so transformed, so touched, so changed. There'll be such testimonies in this church that people will be compelled to come into the kingdom of God. I do ask, Father, for courage for every heart, God, for it's so hard to, to believe your word in, in contrast to what we've been told or what we think about ourselves. But today, Lord, would you give us the faith to believe? Would you honestly make each life a miracle? Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.